for planners. Crypto for planners. Crypto for planners. Crypto for planners. Crypto. Watch us boss and playing token. About to get more. Wanna become a master? This with these tips for. Crypto for planners. This a crypt show. Crypto. Watch us boss and eat. About to get more. Wanna become a master? That's what these tips for. Crypto for planners. It's a crypt show. Ah. Crypto for planners. Crypto for planners. Crypto for planners. Crypto for planners. You are now tuned in to Crypto for Planners. All financial advisors are welcome to Crypto for Planners. Crypto for Planners. Welcome to the first episode of Crypto for Planners, or as we like to call it, the CFP podcast. Our goal is to be the most interesting CFP in the industry. I'm Justin, a certified financial planner for the past 18 years, and I'm with my friend Steve, who's a CPA and a CFP, and we are just so excited to be here. Justin, we are very excited to be here because this podcast is brought to you by the Planner DAO, which is the first decentralized community of financial planners. And we didn't just stop at a decentralized community. We're also making a decentralized podcast. So <laughs> I'm excited that we're the first ones on here. Uh, but our goal is to bring you perspectives from all over the industry and not just us as hosts. We're going to have our members submit interviews, submit segments, submit ideas, and we are truly going to make this something that is produced by the community. And the, the best part of the Planner DAO is it is truly run by a group of advisors. The advisors own it. The advisors can build solutions on top of it. And so we invite all of you to join the Planner DAO. Um, and we'll, we can explain more about what a DAO is if you're confused. But uh... That's exactly right, Justin. And our goal, above all else, is to bring you information that is relevant to the crypto industry. We know you can get a lot of education out there about blockchain, about crypto, about what's happening, but there is not a lot of information about how that is relevant to your business, your practice, or your clients. So that is what we're going to do. And how we kick that off most episodes, we think, we'll see how it goes, is by bringing you a couple of news items. First news story up today, Interactive Brokers is launching crypto services to its retail platform. So Interactive Brokers, one of the largest custodians, um, is now partnering with Paxos Trust to have um, crypto op options next in its platform. So how yeah. do we think about this, Steve? Yeah, exactly. It, it, and you're right, it is confusing. It's hard to understand exactly what's going on everywhere. So. Interactive Brokers is one of those, I believe they, like most custodians, have a retail and an institutional presence. I believe their institutional presence has been growing. And so we like to see them offer crypto. It's going to keep expanding access. It's going to bring more advisors into the game. So we certainly like that a lot. Um, I did read in here, however, they're only going to be offering custody on Bitcoin and uh, Ethereum, which is actually Ether, but everybody keeps calling it Ethereum. Uh, and then they have ways you can plug into Litecoin and Bitcoin Cash uh, in case you want to uh, flush your client's money down the toilet. That's fine to use those as well. <laughs> yeah, it seems like this is one of those half steps for the, the crypto space in that 
it's, it's a positive to have more people uh, exposed to these assets. It's positive for um, these large institutions to understand the, uh, the, the, the need that's coming from their clients. But the, it's, it's just simply a, a half measure. Um, and it also seems like they're, they're doing this primarily just to um, preempt their competitors, which is Fidelity and Schwab. Yeah, that's a that's a great point. There, there's so many aspects to this. So there, there's where we want to end up as an industry, but we know we can't get there tomorrow. So we're going to have to take steps. We're going to have to make compromises along the way. And having our traditional custodians offer access is one of those. And then from the interactive point of view, absolutely. Part of it is marketing uh, to bring in new advisors and part of part of it is defensive. So advisors don't defect. So one of the things that was interesting in here were, were the commission. Commission fees will be between 12 and 18 basis points of the trade value, uh, depending on monthly volume. And it says there are no added spreads, markups, or custody fees, which, okay. However, they're not doing this for free. And they're also partnering with a group called Paxos Trust Company, who, if there's no additional fees or markups, are they working for free? Well, that's a great question. Does Schwab work for free? Like, I don't write them a check, but I know they make a lot of money off working with me. So rather than dive into these details, I think it's more important to just note that currently we're going to see the same conflicts. We're going to see the same things in the short term we're hoping to get rid of in the long term, which is there are still spreads, there are still securities lending, there's still all the hidden sources of revenue. Because I jump over to the Paxos website, and sure enough, it says... Companies working with us can earn as much as 2.5% of every trade through spreads and commissions. So on the one hand, it's more of the same. On the other hand, it's a great intermediate step until we get where we want to go, Justin. Yeah, and that's, uh, that's actually a, a really interesting segue even to our next story, which is a, a survey that came from Fidelity uh, Digital Assets that reported 84% of their American and European investors are wanting to have exposure to digital assets, 84%. Um, so Steve, my first question is, is that more of a reality that people have been clamoring for this and this is 84% of penned up demand or is this really a sign of where this industry is headed? Yeah, well, I think most of all, it's an indication that 84% of, of Fidelity clients can read, which is uh, <laughs> a little bit higher than, honestly, than I thought that number might be. I thought it might be mid-60s or so, so that's that's pretty good. Yeah, I don't know who these 16% are uh, at this point, but they're probably people who, you know, are very conservative, have cash, have gold, have bonds um, exclusively, right, to, to the exclusion of everything else. So. It is great that we're getting a report from a major custodian that, hey, most everybody wants this. Um, it shouldn't be that much news. I think what's more interesting is the the kind of the subheadline on here that 44% of investors said that a Bitcoin ETF would be the most favorable investment. Yes, they, uh, um, they, they really drilled down that um, the ETF was the most favorable um, investment choice. And again, this, this goes back to what we said. This is, this is sort of like another half step for the industry. That is a very uh, positive thing to have this many people um, wanting to have digital assets in a very convenient form. But tell me, a Bitcoin ETF, Steve, is that really the ideal way for retail to interact with, with crypto? Yeah, well, part of it, so of course not, right? But part of it's going to be good because it will bring some more money into digital assets and Bitcoin. 
Some of it will just be to the futures market, so it won't necessarily, but overall, it'll be positive. But at the end of the day, a Bitcoin ETF kind of defeats the purpose of Bitcoin. The purpose of Bitcoin yeah. is that you own it, the government can't take it, it can't be seized, whereas an ETF is all those things. So to me, it'd be a little bit like owning an ammunition ETF. Like, <laughs> hey, I'm really nervous that uh, the country's going crazy and I want to protect my family, so I bought this ammunition ETF in case things yeah, really go a, bad. It, it kind get of exposure to purpose, it. but you know, yeah. but as a short-term step, why not? Yeah, I, I think the, the main takeaway for advisors is this is the, the direction that all of these institutions are heading. This is the direction that uh, investors are heading. This is the direction that uh, retail is heading. And so advisors need to understand these solutions. They need to understand the pros and cons of Custodied solutions with Paxos Trust and custodied solutions with an ETF provider. We, we, we got to understand all the underlying components to be able to truly help our clients. Yeah, that's a really good point. And, and when, when the ETF is available, you need to explain to your clients, uh, we are getting exposure to an asset class. We do not own, BT, uh, uh, own Bitcoin and some of the advantages that come along with that. Great point. Yeah. Well, that's the news. We would like to now transition to a word on the street. So today's word on the street isn't actually a word at all. It's a bunch of initials and numbers. EIP1559. Steve, what in the world does all this mean? Yes, there's some things going on in Ethereum that are very exciting. And they're also very confusing. So one of those is EIP-1559. EIP stands for Ethereum Improvement Proposal. And I'm going to go on a limb here and say that this is the 1,559th time somebody has made a proposal. And this one, however, has been passed and implemented. And it's very exciting. So the short that must version... Be your CPA background coming in to play there. It does. I'm, I'm really good at math. So that's why, I, that's why I'm able to do that. So <laughs> the, the short version is... Uh, uh, the Ethereum network didn't have much of a monetary policy before. Uh, every time there was a transaction, some Ether would get mined, it would go out into the ecosystem, and it looked like it was just going to increase into eternity uh, with no real guidelines for it to stop. May remind you of another monetary system that you're used to monitoring, maybe right here at home in the US. However, America. what EIP-1559 has done is basically taken the fee that's usually given to the miners that process the transaction and it's cut it in two. Half of it gets burnt, so it just disappears, and half of it still goes to the miners. So basically there is just, uh, let's just call it for now, half the amount of money issuance that there's been in the past. So the one of the best parts of crypto is its transparency. So where are there places you can go to see this happen? How do you know that that's actually taking place? Yeah, yeah, everything's on the blockchain, so it's publicly available. And right when this went into effect on August 5th, we had websites up to start tracking it. So I've got a couple places I track it at. Uh, the first one is watchtheburn.com. They've got some really good information there. And then my personal favorite is ultrasound.money has been a great spot. And as of right this second, there have been 293,368 ether burned. Now mm -hmm. you can take the nearly 300,000 ether burned, multi uh, multiply it by the current price, somewhere around $3,400 right now, 
and you can start to see that is a ton of money that would have been out on the network. And that's a ton of supply and sell pressure that's no longer there. And so that's helped lead to this big run up in the price of Ether right now. I think it's fascinating that by introducing uh, this deflationary mechanism, it actually gives advisors a better handle on the actual value of this network now. Um, before it was sort of an unknown, um, but now with, the, with a more hard, fast monetary policy, advisors can actually do a better valuation metric for what this network is really worth. Um, that's just sort of the start. I, what what else is um, sort of in the docket for 2.0? Yeah, yeah, that that that's a great point. So um, you know, as far as the the monetary policy is, advisors can start to analyze it because one of the criti criticisms of Ethereum was that, uh, hey, look, Bitcoin, there's only going to be 21 million ever. We know it's not changing. It's a hard cap. How many ether are there going to be? And it's a very reasonable criticism. And so now Ethereum is addressing that by having a monetary policy in place, and it's only going to continue. There is ETH 2.0 coming next year that's gonna introduce more monetary policy um, by getting rid of miners and going to stakers, which is a topic for another episode. But at that point, the model suggests Ether will actually be deflationary. We'll actually get a net decrease in Ether at least for a time. So now we're starting to having some type of sound monetary policy that can compete with Bitcoin. Yeah, it's it's just so incredible um, to see how ETH has changed um, and just just with this one proposal. Um, so some of the takeaways for advisors, I, I guess my, my my first thought is that advisors need to understand that ETH is here today. It's it's right now. It is. If you're just getting into cryptocurrency, um, the bulk of the headlines and the events that hit your inbox are still referencing Bitcoin. Should you put your clients in Bitcoin? They're still very clickbaity, and they obviously will be forever because that's how, how that's how things work. Um, and Bitcoin is awesome, and Bitcoin is cool, and Bitcoin's the OG. It's also not where the action is right now. The action is on the Ethereum network and based off of the cryptocurrency Ether. And so this isn't hypothetical. This isn't something that might compete with Bitcoin. This is something where financial transactions are taking place in the real world today. So you need to learn about it. Yeah, and it, it brings to number two, I think advisors need to understand that Ethereum is this just gigantic ecosystem where DeFi, NFTs, um, you know, it, pretty much all of the things that they're talking about all are connected to the same base layer, which is Ethereum. Yeah, and again, I'd contrast it with Bitcoin. Whereas Bitcoin um, is attempting to build an ecosystem, it's fledgling a little bit, but the true value of Bitcoin is trading it back and forth as a store of value. Hey, I'm gonna take some money and put it here because I think it will hold its value and increase significantly. Ethereum's an entire ecosystem with ba basically digital dollars. You can lend, you can borrow, you can get insurance, you can convert into tokens, into investments, you can, you can buy collectibles. It's this whole ecosystem gaming, you know, you name it. So Ethereum is where everything is happening. So if you're not familiar with it, the time is now to start reading up on it. Yeah, it's it's just starting to see what we can do with programmable money. Um, and that kind of brings me to the last one, because again, most advisors are thinking about these things in terms of asset allocation, or how can I help my clients by, um, you know, 
putting a percentage in their portfolios. So, um, you know, how, how, how would you help or encourage an advisor to think about Ethereum, Bitcoin? What is, are, are they uh, exclusive? Do you need hundred um, percent one of the other? What, what are your thoughts? Yeah, that's a great point. So I think the takeaway here is that Ether and Bitcoin are compatible. They are not necessarily competitors. So there's times where it can seem like they're competitors or where somebody may present them as competitors, but they're really not. They do different things, have different specialties, have different communities. So yes, there's, there's tens of thousands of cryptocurrencies and 20, 30, 100 chains out there now, who knows, blockchains. Uh, but at the end of the day, if you're just getting into this, uh, Ether and Bitcoin as the assets are where you need to start learning and start learning where they get their value from and why we consider them valuable beyond just trading digital money back and forth. Why there's actual real economic pieces that not just your kids are going to be using, but that we are using today being built on top of these. So they're not competitors. This isn't an either or business. There's room for lots of winners. The first two so far um, are Ethereum, the network, as represented by Ether, the asset and Bitcoin. That's absolutely fascinating. Thank you so much, Steve. Um, if you would like to have uh, more of these conversations, um, be a part uh, of um, gaining this kind of information, we invite you to join the Planner DAO. Absolutely. You can find us at PlannerDAO.com to see what we're up to. In the meantime, like the podcast, subscribe, five-star it, throw in a comment, make fun of Justin from being a Gators fan, whatever you need to do to stick around. Yes. Thank you so much. Uh, that's it for Crypto for Financial Planners podcast, the most interesting CFP in the world. Stay crypto, my friends.